Well, listen, we appreciate you reaching out in the name of Christ, doing these different kinds of missional initiatives, making a difference for the kingdom of God, whether it's Operation Christmas Child or whether it's, as Laura Claire said, buy a butt. You know, uh, we appreciate you buying a butt, but also I want to say you're an awesome church. Let me tell you why. Last Sunday afternoon... I have never been that wet and cold at the same time. And I got to tell you, with our food fest, a food truck fest event here at Martha Bowman, it was, it was the de- uh, debut of it. It was the first time we had done it. And I got to tell you, the weather was horrid. And it just... It was hard to be positive. It started at 4, at 3.30. I was thinking, what have we done? But by 5 o'clock, there were lines with people standing with umbrellas and parents coming and bringing their kids into this room where we broke down the chairs and we had... uh, we had inflatables, and the parents were so grateful because the kids had been cooped up for days. And the band continued to play without getting electrocuted. <laughs> it was incredible. And so I want to thank our staff for helping to coordinate it. They did an awesome job. I want to thank our volunteers for getting out there, working hard as some of the tents became kites things were flying around. I want to thank you for showing up. Uh, Gang, it was a witness by the fact that you came. Some of you weren't able to. We understand that. But some of you were able to come, and it was a gift to the church and our gift to the community. And I was amazed at the folks that showed up. Our parking lot was full. The upper parking lot was full, and they kept coming and going, coming and going. And so thank you. You're awesome. Martha Bowman's a great church, and you are the people of God, and it showed last week. Our text today is James 3 in our series on James, and I'm going to read that. Follow along with me, and then you've got message notes. I encourage you to follow along there, too. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all struggle in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider when a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it, set, and 
is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness. Who has been made in God's likeness? And out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning that with your words, you called all of creation into being. With your words, at our baptism, you said, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. And your word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we got to see what real words are all about. And so, Lord, we pray that you will bless our time and help us to hear what you would say about taming the tongue. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. And that is so true. There are so many scientific phenomena that take place within our human body. And one of those that fascinates me is our muscular system. And something called muscle memory. Uh, Professional golfers, really professional athletes has this as a key to their success. I'm amazed that a golfer can go to a course that they're relatively familiar with, but oftentimes not familiar with. They can gauge the distance and the speed of the wind. And as they see that flag, they know just what exertion to give in the swing of the ball. And in that equation, there is what club to use. All of those things coming together in a calculated understanding, a hypothesis, sometimes a guess, but memory is important. And muscle memory, whether it be for the golfer or the tennis player or the quarterback, is critical. One of the key muscles for us in the human body is the tongue. About six inches long, three inches in diameter, um, and yet out of all the muscles, it's the most difficult to control. Here's an interesting statistic. 
the average person engages in 30 conversations a day. Do you believe that? I believe that. Maybe more. I mean, I was cleaning out my voicemail box, and just having mobile phones, I think, has made that grown. And so you have 20%, 30 conversations a day, 20% of our waking hours in all of our life are spent talking. I mean, think about that. From the day you were born to the day you die, one-fifth of your life will be speaking. That's kind of scary. I mean, the average number of daily words for men, there's a difference between men and women in terms of the numbers. 20,000 for men. For women, there are 30,000 words a day with gusts up to five to 10,000. Uh, we, we, have, we have to understand that rhetoric, verbiage, speech is so much a part of our existence, and James understands that, and because of that, it's something that we've got to pull in, get some reins on, draw in. And so he writes in this book, The book of James is an open letter to converted Jews in different regions and areas around him. And Christians have been dispersed, and he's writing them. And what's interesting is he says, be very careful about words, but he is very blunt in his words. And James does not concern himself with packaging information necessarily in the, in, in the way he's communicating, but he says it is important. And so he uses an abrupt style to communicate the importance of speech. And he helps us to understand that the tongue is not evil in and of itself. That it can be used for blessing as well as for cursing. It can help as well as harm. And he understands that in such a way that he uses words carefully as metaphors, as word pictures for us. I invite you to look at your message notes. One of the things he says is this. As he uses these metaphors, he is saying to us, words have the power to control our destiny. I believe that. I believe that the words we speak have so much to do with our lives and much to do with our understanding of who we are and our perspective and even our future. And he says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the entire animal. There's a guy in our church who has a number of horses and he travels and rides them And it is amazing to watch him how just where the bridle is, where the bit is, controls the entire animal in terms of direction and steering. And so he says, the tongue is likened to a bridle in the mouth of a horse. And then he goes on to say, it's like a ship's rudder. Or take ships as an example, he says. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. I mean, this huge vehicle of transportation of metal and steel, multiple tons, 
is guided and directed by something that is only a few pounds. A rudder. I mean, think back to the Titanic and this luxury liner thousands of tons. But lack of attention to the rudder created devastation for thousands of lives. And so he's saying, who can tame the tongue? I mean, it controls our destiny. Be careful. It also, he says, words have the power to cripple our relationships. If we're not careful, words can cripple our relationships. And he uses the word picture of a fire, a wildfire. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You see this every day. Words translated into text and posted on social media. Facebook. Twitter has a limited number of characters, but it can do unlimited damage. And it's hard to back up on what has been public consumption. James was ahead of his time. And he understood that one statement can change a relationship. One statement can ensue hate. One statement can provoke anger. He says it can be like a toxin, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. A damaging statement can stick. Some of our teachers may hear parents say this, or a social worker may hear when a parent says, if there's a wrong way to do it, you'll find it every time. Or I despise the day you were born. Certain statements are like toxins, James is saying. And so how do, you, how do you tame the tongue? How do we get control of the six-inch muscle, three inches wide, that can do harm or can do great good? Well, we can't. I can't tame the tongue. It's going to take something supernatural, and it's going to take God working in our lives. It's going to take intentionality on our part. And so if you look with me at the scripture in the first verse, he talks about, let not many of you become teachers. He's saying, don't seek positions of authority because you'll be judged by a higher standard, especially in what you say. Implicitly, I think he's saying, be humble, whether you're in a place of authority or whether you're simply walking and living for Christ, there is a higher expectation for you. As a follower of Jesus, there is a higher expectation in terms of what and how you say things. 
Isn't it true that most of the things we say and later regret are born out of selfish and me-first attitude? Our wounded pride, our fear, our frustrations, our, our need to be needed gives birth to hurtful words. And so in our attempt to build ourselves up, we may hurt someone else. So words come from the heart. And a heart that is quiet and content and not engaged in a campaign of self-promotion is less likely to say words that will wound. And so right off the bat, he is saying one of the ways that God can begin to work with the taming of the tongue is living a life of humility and entering into those relationships with humility and meekness. Not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, as Paul says. And then he says, be careful. Carefully select your words in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. One of the things I appreciate about James is he's being honest. He's saying, look, I'm not going to kid you. None of us are going to have total mastery over our tongue. Because we all stumble. But we must be vigilant. And so I think about cursing for those of us in Christ. And how damaging that can be to our witness. I think about taking the name of the Lord in vain. I still, fortunately, I'm glad that I cringe when I hear someone say GD. I don't even want to say it. I remember in Ireland, I was driving, and you know, in Ireland, you, you, you drive on the opposite side of the road, and you have a gear shift and steering wheel on the opposite side of the vehicle, and, and so my right brain and left brain were going nuts, and I actually forgot where I was, and I was driving like an American in Ireland for a stretch, and came to an intersection, and this Irishman said, Jesus Christ, and he jumped out of his car, a little road rage. And so I got out. I said, don't blame him. It's my fault, man. Uh, you know, and I was glad that we were able to talk about Christ in that moment. But all that's to say, I cringe. Now, maybe I gave him good reason. I cringe when the Lord's name is taken in vain. And I think that's a holy cringe. Because the name of Jesus is precious. How do we tame our tongue? Choosing your wise words. Uh, be careful about out and outlying and partial truths. Be careful about telling inappropriate jokes and even listening because you then become a party to them. And gossip. During World War II, there was an initiative coming out of the U.S. Office of War, and they had a slogan so that people wouldn't inadvertently give useful information to the enemy, and it was this, loose lips sink ships. I think it's important for us as followers of Christ to be careful not to let our prayer concerns become gossip sessions. 
to be careful how we share things and who we share them with in confidentiality. Being careful what we say is critical. And complaining and criticism, it's okay to be bothered by something. It's okay to voice your opinion. But how you do it is important. Kind of like the monk that took a three-year vow of silence and he had a mentor. And the mentor said, look, at the end of the, at each year, you'll be able to share just a, a few words. Just a few. And so at the end of the, the first year, he said, bad food. Okay. Mentor received that. And at the end of the second year, silence until his last few words, hard bed. At the end of the third year, he said, I quit. And finally, his mentor said, you might as well, you've complained the whole time. How is it that you come across with your words? What about an economy of words? Something that gets me in trouble is I tend to think out loud, don't I, Delia? And, and I, I tend to just kind of verbally spew what I'm thinking, not all over everybody, but I, I'm, I'm thinking out loud. And I'll say, what if? And sometimes it's not well received. And I'm like, hey, I apologize. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. You got to be careful with that. And also, you got to be careful with trying to use an economy of words. My oldest son, Jacob, who's now 25, and he's using words in a good way in China as he teaches biology to Chinese students. But one day, as an adolescent, he was at home, and we were getting ready to eat, and his mother was wrapping up, Delia was wrapping up, fixing supper. It had been a long day for her, and he got in what we call an argument with her. You ever been a part of one of those? Have you ever been an observer of that? Where you see it's not going well and it's not going to end well, right? And, and so they were in this argument. And he began to, what we call in the South, back talk. You know what back talk is, don't you? Right? And they began to sass. High levels of sass were at the table, like the movie Inside Out. And, and, and finally, Delia took the spatula and she threw it down into the pot of hamburger meat. And she left and went into the bedroom. And he said, Dad, what'd I do? I said, son, I could have helped you. I couldn't get to you quick enough. You didn't know when to shut up. <laughs> An economy words is important. And then finally, I want to say this. Forgiveness is critical. He, he admits we all stumble. We're never going to have a mastery of this thing called the tongue. And there have been things that have been said to you, words that have hurt, words that have harmed. If you're in a marriage, you've experienced that. If you're in a workplace, you've experienced that. If you're in a church, you will experience that. And there comes a time where we have to say, you know what? I have hurt and I have harmed and I have apologized and I move on. And in the same way, you need to allow that person 
to be freed up. Here's good news as I close out. How do we tame the tongue? Yeah, be humble. Choose your words carefully. Forgive yourself and forgive others. But Christ died on the cross for you and me, and he took on all those words that I said. In fact, he took on all those words that were said to you, and he embodied those. And he descended into hell and defeated death and overcame death and overcame those words so that we could overcome those words. And with the resurrection power that is available to us and with the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit called self-control, there is a way that we can use our tongues, our speech, to bless. Will you not bless someone this week with your words? Take the inverse of the toxins that could possibly come and give a blessing to someone. Share with them how they're a child of God and that they're loved. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love and how good you are to us. And we ask that you would take control of our lives, that you would help to inform even our speech so that we could say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you. Amen.